turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. You have to cut down an olive tree and then uproot it to kill it. That's what is meant by twice dead. Actually, I, I emailed a, um, like a botanist or something in Israel this week at a university there asking him, what do you think twice dead means? That's what he said. Some trees, you gotta, you got to kill it twice to kill it. Like you got to cut it down and then you got to uproot it. And it means twice dead. Cutting it down is not enough. Jude uses the killing of an olive tree as an analogy to describe how to rid the church of false teachers. These teachers in your midst are serious. They will undermine and split churches and turn believers against one another. As Pastor Dan reminds us in his messages today, false teachers need to be taken care of swiftly and decisively. Like an olive tree, they need to be cut down and also uprooted. Otherwise, they will just grow back. God's truth is unchanging and life-giving. Don't let false teachers destroy it. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jude, chapter 1, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. Look at verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. The Lord speaking. I myself, because the shepherds have failed, and they're feeding themselves off of the flock instead of feeding the flock. The Lord God says, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep. So will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and I and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. The Lord God speaking, in the valleys and all the inhabited places of the country, I will feed them in good pasture and their folds shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will make them to lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring it back. The Lord God speaking, just as an aside. This doesn't have anything to do with what we're studying in Jude, but just as an aside. During the Feast of Dedication, or what we call today Hanukkah, the priests in Israel at the temple in the first century in Jesus' day, 
during the Feast of Dedication, they would read Ezekiel 34 and they would lament over this passage and they would lament about the priests that went before them that failed to feed the flock of God. And they would read that in the temple during the Feast of Dedication. John chapter 10, Jesus walks into the temple during the Feast of Dedication and what does he say? I am the good shepherd. And he begins to give that wonderful teaching in John chapter 10 about being the good shepherd. And what did the Lord say here? I will shepherd my sheep. I will feed them. And what did the priests do after Jesus came into the temple and said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. They went up to him and said, tell us plainly, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? They knew what he was saying. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it's just great to know that when you're reading through Ezekiel 34. But go back now to um, Jude. You know, in Jude, Jude says these false shepherds, they feed only themselves, referring us back to Ezekiel 34. We saw in Ezekiel 34, because the shepherds feed themselves, the sheep are weak, they're sick, they're diseased, they're unhealthy, they never heal, they never grow strong, they're scattered, it said. They're scattered all over the mountains. They're not with the flock. They're not in a church community. They're not in fellowship with other believers. They're disconnected from the flock. And we saw in Ezekiel that they're they're easily picked off by the beast as prey. That's what happens to a person who buys into the teaching of a false teacher, who, who twists the grace of God into license for sin, or who denies and ignores the truths of God's scripture, that, that's the kind of sheep that kind of teaching produces. Weak sheep, sick sheep, unhealthy sheep, disconnected sheep, scattered sheep, sheep that are easily picked off by the enemy. That's what it produces. Now, the third image that he uses here in verse 12, we really got to move. Verse 12 Um, They are clouds without water carried about by the winds. He says they're they're clouds without rain. Now, uh, rain for us isn't a big deal. Rain for us is is more of an inconvenience or a nuisance, especially if it's at rush hour, right? And you're trying to get home from work and it's just going to make your commute uh, longer. But rain was vitally important to the people living in Israel. And I want to show you very quickly Deuteronomy chapter 11. If you can turn there in your Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 11. This is after God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, but before he brought them into the promised land. And here God is talking to them about the promised land that he's about to bring them into. And in Deuteronomy chapter 11, God says to the children of Israel in verse 10, For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and you watered it by foot as as a vegetable garden. In Egypt, they had the Nile River. And the Nile River provided all the water they needed to water their crops. They didn't really need rain. They had the Nile. And the land there around the Nile is flat. And so what they were able to do in Egypt is they were able to dig canals and irrigation channels. That's what it's referring to here. And they were able to water the the crops themselves uh, on their own, by their own ingenuity their own strength. And what God says to them here is, hey, the land I'm taking you to, it's not going to be anything like Egypt. 
You're not going to be able to depend upon yourself to provide the water for the crops uh, because it's not going to be the same. Look at verse 11. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land. Here's why it's different. It's not flat. It's a land of hills and valleys <laughs> which drink water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Hey, in Egypt, they relied upon themselves and their own ingenuity to water the crops. And God says, Israel is going to be different from Egypt. It's a land of hills and valleys. It's not flat. It's all hills and valleys. So you're not going to be able to dig canals and trenches and irrigation trenches to water your crops. It's not going to work there. You can't do that. You don't have the Nile River there. In, in Israel, you don't have a major water source like you did in Egypt. You don't have flat land like you did in Egypt. You're not going to be able to do what you did in Egypt. In other words, you're going to have to depend upon God in Israel. You're going to have to trust that God will send rain to water the earth. Do you see that in verse 11? But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven. That's where you're going to get your water for your crops in Israel. You're going to live a life of faith. You're going to trust God to provide the rain for you. Verse 13, and it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land and its season. The early rain at the beginning of the season before you plant your crop to soften the soil and the latter rain right before harvest time to give you a bumper crop that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. In, in Israel... Unlike Egypt, where they could just depend upon themselves, in Israel, they're going to have to live a life of faith and obedience to God. And if they do that, God will send the rain. So imagine for a moment that you're a farmer living in first century Israel. And you've got this little piece of ground, this little plot. And you plant your crops at the beginning of the season in the spring and those crops are going to feed your family. And when you sow your, your seeds at the beginning of the season, you have no way of watering them. And the only way those seeds are going to grow and you're going to have a harvest is if God sends rain. You don't have any way to water them. You don't have any way to get water to them. So you can imagine that when you plant those seeds, you can imagine that you're going to pray. And you're probably not going to pray some, you know, weak, quick prayer. God bless these seeds. Amen. You're going to cry out to God. Your family's survival depends on those crops growing. And those crops growing depend upon rain. And the rain's coming from God. And there's no other way to get water to these crops. And if there's no rain, there's no crops. There's no crops. There's no food for your family. And you're, you're going to be, you know, desperately praying to God if you're a farmer there in Israel. You know, in, um, in the Psalms, 
The psalmist in Psalm 126, verse 5, listen to this. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer requests with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. Those who plant their seeds with tears, God, please, crying out to God. You can picture in your mind some farmer out there in his field. He's got his seeds planted, hands raised, tears streaming, wet eyes. Lord, please, send the rain. I need rain. We can't survive if you don't send rain. And so going back to Jude now, that maybe gives you a little bit better perspective on the importance of rain to the people that Jude is writing to. Jude says these false teachers, they're like clouds without rain. They're carried about by the winds. You know, he says they, they look like rain clouds. And you see them maybe and you think, oh, praise the Lord, you know, rain cloud. God's so good. <laughs> He's sending rain. God's blessing us. But then there's no rain. The rain never comes. In other words, what Jude is saying is these false teachers don't deliver on what they promise. They don't deliver on what they promise. The rain never comes. So, now our fourth image. Verse 12. The fourth image. He says, The late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. He describes these False teachers as late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled out by the roots. Now, uh, late autumn trees. The late summer, early fall is when they, uh, the olive trees were harvested there in Israel. They're still harvested at that time. So if your tree has no fruit by late autumn, it ain't getting fruit. <laughs> and that's what he's saying. These guys don't have any fruit. There's no fruit. They're, they're not going to bear fruit if they don't have fruit by now. God's not, God's not blessing them with fruit. And he says here they're, they're, they're twice dead and pulled up by the roots. And that refers to the way that you had to destroy an olive tree. Uh, if, you, if you cut down an olive tree, uh, shoots will grow back from the roots. You have to cut down an olive tree and then uproot it. To kill it. That's what is meant by twice dead. Actually, I, I emailed a, um, like a botanist or something in Israel this week at a university there asking him, what do you think twice dead means? That's what he said. Some trees, you gotta, you got to kill it twice to kill it. Like you got to cut it down and then you got to uproot it. And it means twice dead. Cutting it down is not enough. One of the things that that's telling us, though, is that these false teachers... They are really hard to get out of a church. You really have to be drastic with them. You know, in, in Titus, Paul tells us, you know, if you have a, a, a heretic, the old King James, warn him twice and then have nothing to do with him. You're just drastic. Just uproot him. 
you know, put him out of the church kind of thing. You have to be drastic. So now the fifth image, verse 13. They're like raging waves of the sea foaming up their own shame. And, and here Jude is alluding, alluding to Isaiah 57, verse 20. I'll just read it to you. Isaiah 57, 20. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. You know, the, the raging sea, it produces dirt. It produces garbage. Have you ever walked on the beach after a big storm, like a tropical storm or a hurricane, and there's just all of this debris and trash just washed up on the beach? That's what a raging sea produces, and, and that's what Jude says these false teachers produce. You know, they're, they're like a raging, raging sea. They make a big commotion and a big noise and a big show, but all it produces is just dirt, just garbage. Nothing of any value comes out of all the show that they have. Sixth image here, verse 13. They are like wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now, stars are usually uh, fixed in the sky. They usually have a fixed uh, pattern in the sky. Uh, Sailors in the ancient world were able to navigate by the stars, and they were able to uh, uh, determine their position on the sea. They could Uh, determine their course and their direction. They could reach a destination because of the dependability of the stars and uh, the the nature of the stars always following the same pattern each night. And they would use a sextant and they could navigate using the stars because those stars were, were dependable. They were always in their place. And you could count on them. And you could figure out where you were and you could figure out where your destination was located. And you could figure out how to get there from those stars. See, the stars, in a sense, are kind of like the faith that has been once and for all delivered unto the saints. It's the Word of God. And we can use the Word of God in our lives to figure out where we are, to know what our destination is, and how to navigate to get to that destination. You know, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It shows us the way we should go how to navigate through life. But what he says here about these false teachers, that they are wandering stars. They're shooting stars. (laughs) How are you going to navigate with a shooting star? If all you have is shooting stars and your sextant, you're not going to be able to figure out where you are or where your destination is or how to get there. I mean, you're going to be totally lost if you're using shooting stars to navigate. And, and that, that's what he's describing here. These false teachers who, who tell you, hey, you, you can use the grace of God as a license. That, hey, you can just ignore the parts of the Bible you don't agree with. Or you can redefine what it says. But it's like now you're navigating with shooting stars. You're not going to get anywhere with that. You're not going to get to a destination. You're not going to understand where you are as a person, where you are in your relationship with God. You're not going to understand how to get to heaven or where heaven is. You're not going to know how to navigate through the course of your life. You're traveling without navigation. You're traveling without navigation. And that leads us now into verse 14, and we'll finish up quickly. These, these false teachers and what they teach, it just produces a barrenness. It produces fruitlessness. 
um, it, it leaves you uh, spiritually without direction, spiritually without hope, just kind of lost and going in circles. And the second thing it produces is it produces judgment. Judgment. Verse 14, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints, referring to the second coming of Christ and bringing his bride, the church, with him. Two, here's why he's coming, to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Uh, Did you notice how many times in verse 15 he uses the words all and ungodly? And he says here that when Jesus Christ comes, he will judge all the ungodly, all of the ungodly, and he will punish them for their ungodliness, and their punishment will be an eternal punishment. And the only way to escape God's judgment is to repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ and trust in his sacrifice on the cross for you. He says, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. They they use, you know, they're dynamic speakers. They're great communicators. That's why people love to listen to them. And they say, how, you know, how could you say that he's a false teacher? He's a wonderful speaker. Look at the big crowds he has. He must be doing something, right? God's blessing him. Verse 17, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last times who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. He says there that they are sensual persons, meaning that they're carnal, they're worldly, they're controlled by their lusts. And they do not have the Spirit of God. They're not born again. They don't belong to God. And they're not true believers. And so, we need to earnestly contend for the faith that has been once and for all delivered to us. Because the faith that has been delivered to us, it does give us hope. And it does tell us who we are in Christ. And it does tell us where we're going. And it does tell us how to get there. Something the false teachers couldn't do. He asked me how I know. And I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. Jude encourages you to not only know when God's word is being abused, but to stand up for the truth. It urges you to know the Bible from the moment God created the world to the beginning of life eternal with Him and without evil. Take some time today to read for yourself what the book of Jude has to share, as well as the rest of Scripture. Then you can know for sure what's true and what's being put forth as a lie. We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth to study this New Testament letter with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you'd like more information on this ministry or to continue to listen to teachings from God's Word, visit calvaryec.com. We'd enjoy meeting you, too. If you're in the Baltimore, Washington area, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just a few minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. 
You can find out more at our website. Again, that's calvaryec.com. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray, too, for those listening that they would know Jesus and surrender to His love. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in to Ring of Truth. Good night.